0: Welcome to the 100 Entrepreneurs Podcast, created to provide veterans and their family members with information, ideas, and inspiration for starting new businesses. This is Amanda Weathersby for 100 Entrepreneurs Foundation. We talk with entrepreneurs and small business experts to learn more about their industries and their lessons learned in creating and growing new businesses. Thank you for joining Hi, today I have with me Edward Sims, who has started a company called Brian Paving. And uh, um, thank you so much for joining us today with 100 Entrepreneurs, and I'm so glad you're here.
1: No problem, thanks for having me.
0: Okay, all right. Um, So before we start in on uh, talking about your business, can you tell me about your background and uh, what you did before and how you became an entrepreneur?
2: Well, um,
1: how far back? (laughs)
0: <laughs> as far as you'd like to go. <laughs> All
2: right.
1: All right. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, growing up in D.C., I was a kid that wanted to not be in the situation that I was in as a as a youngster. So I was always looking for, uh, I guess, a better life. Um, you know, I was in the inner city, southeast, and I was always attracted to... The outdoors, so I would find the, the creeks or the little patches of woods or parks that I could get to. And I'd always be outside playing. But anyway, my, my goal was to go to college, was to get an education, and to somehow be successful. And my my parents would have told me this many times that I told them I was going to college since I was one. I'm going to go to college, I'm to get a degree. And they're like, oh, yeah, good job. And I'm like, no, I'm going. So, uh, yeah, so um, as I've you know achieve that goal. I was the first person in family to to go to college. Um, I had a full scholarship for football thank you
2: yeah
1: thank you. yeah. I had a full scholarship for athletics um, you know it was it was central to my discipline uh, as a young as a young kid i just I was attracted to sports and the freedom that it gave me and, and being the oldest of four kids, um, it was kind of my only way out of the house because my dad really was just, was a pretty strict guy and a single mm-hmm. family home single parent home. And um he was pretty straight guy so anytime you know my sisters or my sister or brothers had something a chore to do I was kind of the go-to babysitter the, the go-to supervisor and I just found that if I had a sports or an athletic practice or event I was excused. So I kind of like, <laughs> I went from playing football to baseball, to track, to
2: <laughs> swimming.
1: And I mean, I just wow. never stopped. I never, <laughs> I never stopped. I mean, I played, if there was a season where there was a sport, I was in it. And, um, you know, we'd never really, I mean, I had coaches that would pay for me because I was just was, you know, so, I was so dedicated. And, and luckily, you know, I mean, now that I see, I see this and I kind of learned pretty early in my high school career, that I was a gifted athlete. So, but, um. As far as being an entrepreneur, you know, I always wanted to figure out uh, any way that I could achieve an edge on um, my opponent, on um, my classmates, on um, my peers, um, anything that I was uh, kind of, you know, going towards in the common, as a common goal. If there was a group trying to achieve the same thing, I wanted to figure out how I could stand out. So
2: mm-hmm. I didn't
1: have to stand out in my family because I was the oldest and I was pretty driven and I didn't have my siblings, didn't really follow suit, but... Um, I had a lot of friends and I had a lot of people that looked to me as, hey, you're a good athlete. You should also be a leader. And so they were telling me that. And so as I tried to step into those shoes, um, I wanted to figure out how to better differentiate myself and to stand out as a leader uh, so I could be more marketable. Uh, Because I knew, you know, I had a set of goals to play professional football as a, Mm -hmm. I'd say, eighth grader, seventh grader. And, um, you know, I knew that. When I made a list, I went home. and made a list. I'm big on lists, by the way. Uh, <laughs> That's I,
2: I, great. I You're very I organized.
1: I have to be. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always been very organized. I mean, I actually that to my dad. He always made it a, a point to, you know, get good grades and keep the house clean. So, um, but anyway, I'd write a list of how I could stand out and how I could better my, myself to stand out. Because at the time, I think a coach told me that um, one in every five hundred thousand. Football players made it to the NFL, so I um, had to make a list. You know, okay, I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to, you know, drink alcohol at the time. You know, I was, goodness, I was uh, 15 and I decided to never drink alcohol again. I mean, granted, I already had alcohol. My family really was relaxed on that, so I just stopped on my own and Mm -hmm. uh, I realized that, you know, I have to graduate high school because a lot of people get hung up on grades and I had to go to college and so I was making these goals um it just kind of turned me into an entrepreneur because I had the most limited resources of anybody that I knew in my circle I mean I was the poorest kid in every circle I was in my whole life
2: Mm.
1: and so not having money for a physical how can I get money for a physical okay well let me go take some people's trash out all right, I need um class pictures, you know, how am I gonna get my senior pictures? All right, well let me uh, get a job at a daycare, you know, I have a sixteen year old working at a daycare.
2: <laughs> you know, yeah. I did
1: whatever really? it took. I You know, I worked I worked night jobs um at, at McDonalds um during my uh junior year and I was uh just an overnight stock stock guy and I worked from ten o'clock at night to seven in the morning during during the week, and most people wow. didn't know that, and uh, wow. even down to my first job. I mean, we didn't have food in the house, so um, I worked at a bar as a busboy,
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: left my house at eleven once my dad went to sleep, and I'd get back at three in the morning. And he never knew I had a job. That was my first job, uh, you know, as a busboy. And so I'd ride my bike to the to the bar. The, the guy knew I was fourteen, but I was mm-hmm. about you know, six foot tall, so he said, like, you can pass for 16, and he gave me a job, and so,
0: hmm.
1: but like I said, as I,
0: and, as I started... And did you to, ever sleep? <laughs> I did
1: sleep, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, believe it or not, you know, I, I did sleep, and um, <laughs> unfortunately, it, it had to do a lot, I had a lot of sleep in, in class,
2: <laughs> 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 you know,
1: and my teachers, they felt for me, and they, they understood, you know, but I did my work, and I was very attentive, very respectful, um, but you know, he had to get to sleep somewhere. And the mm-hmm. funny thing is that one time I had, I went to Penn Relays um, for my track meet, and I just got off of McDonald's, and I went home, and um, my coach was coming to pick me up. Well, I was supposed to be at the school, but, you know, from the, I didn't have a ride, so I had to ride my bike or walk. And it was probably about five miles, and mm-hmm. I missed my wake up time, and next thing I know, he's now he's knocking on my window, and he didn't know why. That's when he found out that I had my job, and he's like, Ed, You're killing yourself. <laughs> you're a high school kid. You're work, You're running on a national team. You, you shouldn't be working at night. So anyway, but yeah, so <laughs> what I did is I tried my best to, um, to just stand out because there was a lot of people who were, you know, athletic or were more intelligent, um, you know, had better grades, but I just felt like I had to, to make myself different. And so I, mm-hmm. I got pretty, like I said, pretty resourceful and trying to make money and make ends meet uh, when I needed to accomplish a goal. And so it carried over into college. Um, you know, I was pretty stubborn. So when I went <laughs> to my college career, I wanted to do engineering, I wanted to do uh-huh. architecture, but being a full-time um, athlete, they frowned upon those majors because they were so difficult. And, uh-huh. you know, we butted heads a lot. Me and my coaches butted heads a lot. And ultimately, my, ju- my junior year, I switched to business management because I was, um, as I was looking at the different majors, I figured business there's business has the opportunity to be in every avenue. If I want to be an architect, if I want to do design cars, or have some type of interest in art, I can always have a business attendance mm-hmm. and be able to get into that if I chose. But I had to also learn the finance part and learn how to network, and I thought that was important no matter what I did. Mm-hmm. So. I did that, went into business, and um, found that working hard for somebody else never really paid me well. <laughs> so I was wondering how I was going to get more of that dollar that I was making for somebody else, and time and time again, it just came out to be that I had to be in charge, and I had to be the owner of my own thing.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: how ultimately, I would say that my mind started to become um, more focused on being an entrepreneur.
0: Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned it briefly but you did play for the NFL which was one of your goals it was on your list is that correct?
1: yeah yeah I did and Mm -hmm. the funny thing is is that um, you know even before that goal I told my dad that I was going to go to school for free and Mm -hmm. you know because he was like you know good luck with getting into college guys you know I'm not going to be able to help you and I told him I was probably 8th grade seventh grade, I Mm -hmm. told him I was going to go to school for free. Mm -hmm. He's like, how are you going to do that? I said, I'm going to get a full scholarship for sports. And, you know, he laughs. And, you know, he's never seen me play sports. He didn't know any better. And, and, you know, like I said, I I did whatever I could do to make myself stand out and to stay healthy. And I started eating differently, started getting more sleep, cutting out, Mm -hmm. you know, negative aspects of my life that I felt like were uh, taken away from my focus on academics and athletics. Mm -hmm. And um, I I excelled in high school, and I got a ton of scholarship offers.
2: I mean,
0: a a lot.
1: I mean, I was bombarded with letters daily, and my coaches were – it was so crazy that they wouldn't give them to me until the end of the week after the games because it was just so much. Uh, But um, we went 0-10 my sophomore year in high school, and I was just kind of just devastated. My, My school, we were losing every game. And um, we had a athletic director tell us that we were never going to not anything. That we needed to focus on school. And we're in a bad neighborhood. We're in a bad demographic. And you know, we just need to just um, just play for fun and not worry about a career. And I just didn't accept that. So
2: mm.
1: um, as, I, as I as I strive to find out how to be a better athlete and be more focused, um, I had to get pretty creative because I didn't have gym memberships. So school gym was. I mean, you'd probably cut yourself and get gangrene in there. It was just so oh, so old. The equipment was so old and busted. But I just mm. kept myself into other sports and figured that if I just stayed athletic, I could be molded mm-hmm. into whatever position they wanted me to play in. And so, uh, as a um, as I got to college, graduated college, didn't go into the draft um, because I felt I was I still needed a, a couple more classes. So I came back to school for one more semester. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was very important to me to get my degree first. And so I finished school, and then I kept I kept going to a couple combines. And lo and behold, you know, I went to one in Florida. I paid my way. My agent told me to meet him down there. And after the first day, about six or seven scouts noticed me, and you know, the rest is history. I mean, they just they signed me. I got signed within like, 10 days after that combine. Wow. Was my first combine I never went to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, in a lot of them, you know, were surprised at how big I was and how fast I was. They, they never really believe people when they say they put their stats on paper, you send in these resumes, you know, have it, uh, to these different recruiters and, you know, people fluff five pounds here and a half there with shoes on, on your tippy toes. And I just, you know, <laughs> I put my numbers in the way they were and they just, you know, they automatically uh-huh. took a 10%, you know, okay, these are going to be fluffed numbers. And uh-huh. but they weren't. And sometimes, uh, a lot of them were better, and they just couldn't believe that they didn't know about me, didn't know where I was, and, it, you know, that they, I was off their radar. So, you mm-hmm. know, it was it was a whirlwind for me. I played for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, it was on again, off again, um, and I, I'd say it's primarily because I went to a smaller school. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't know me, and they kind of questioned if I was durable enough to play in the NFL, but... Um, ultimately the politics part of it um played played in in my the end of my career. I never got injured or never we had any issues learning the plays or playing the position. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, money is money and it's a business mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? I understand this aspect of it mm-hmm. I major in business and you know what I can't rely on somebody else to pay me. You no know? matter mm-hmm. I mean, how athletic you are, your your career is has a, a shelf life. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I was like, you know what, I need to focus on on my mind because I was still in very good shape when I got released. There were multiple mm-hmm. teams still looking at me, wanting me to come try out. But, you know, I was uh, 27 mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm old for an NFL wide receiver. So I just needed yeah. to do something different. And so I uh-huh. I moved all my stuff. I was all over the country, moved everything back to Virginia. and it's like, you know, I'm going to make it with my mind. And here I am, you know, slowly but surely making it work.
0: You, was one of, one of the things you did was join the military. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I, I did. So I joined the military. I wanted to join the military after high school, but mm-hmm. I had a full scholarship for football. I mean, so I went mm-hmm. to college. I wanted to join the military after college, but I mm-hmm. got an offer for the NFL. And then I wanted to join the military right after the NFL, but then I was denied because I had so many kids. They're like, what are you thinking? You, you can't join the military with six kids.
2: You know, <laughs> there's no way
1: a, a branch will accept you full time, uh-huh. uh-huh. and I was like, well, I didn't know that." So I shuffled around. I coached. I went and looked for jobs for the, you know, the uh, the police department, secret service,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: fire departments, and the economy was terrible, so nobody was hiring. So I coached for my local high school, and I, I did some substitute teaching,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, I coached football and track. Um, but then. You know, I found out about the National Guard and the reserves,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and at 32 years old, I was by far the <laughs> oldest person that I've seen at basic training.
2: Uh-huh. Um,
1: I joined the military, and everybody thought oh. I was crazy. Even my uh, drill instructors—they're like, "You're crazy."
0: <laughs> 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 Love well, every that's of it. amazing. Good for you. Great, great, and then and then um, uh, you have. Uh, Aside from doing uh, super-secret things for the military, (laughs) you were also uh, learning the aspects of the construction business along the way, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, a year, so once I got out of the NFL and um, I came back home, I was doing a substitute teaching thing and I was coaching, and a buddy of mine who I had done some direct sales and marketing with over the years, just for summer work, I had come home and worked with a guy um, that we knew in the area uh, from our church. And he uh, he knew of me from sports from high school. And I didn't want to do sales. I had done direct sales and door-to-door sales for, I think, four or five years. And I was just, I was just tired of working, not knowing what the next day would hold. You know, I was 100% commissioned, mm-hmm. and it was stressful sometimes. I mean, I was, real, I was really good at it. But the company that I worked for was an Inc. 500 company, and I was moving up really fast in the company. They went bankrupt when the market crashed. And mm-hmm. so I was out in the street without anything, um, no, no real job security. So when my friend, when I moved back to Virginia, my friend said, hey, well, you know, I'm doing sales for another company. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It was just automatically turned off by the word sales.
2: Mm-hmm. And so he
1: worked there for a year. I coached for a year. And then the second year, he approached me again. Um, at a basketball game for church, you know, the vice president of the company came up to me was chatting with me and asked me what I was doing, if I had any marketing experience. I mentioned, yes, I've been doing direct marketing for the last five years. And I told him a little bit about me, my wife and resume. Um, he knew me as an athlete. And he said, you know what, I've always liked watching you when you're at Potomac High School and you're a really good athlete, level-headed kid. Um, you know, we like to offer you a job. And at the time, it was more than I was making as a substitute teacher, you know, about 35000 mm-hmm. a year, nothing crazy. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, they liked what I did, and, and you know, m- my connections with the uh, with property managers and uh, my marketing, you know, ability to network really impressed mm-hmm. the owner, and then uh, he made me into a a, prop- a project manager. You mm-hmm. know, I think I, was a pro- I think I was only in marketing for four months, and he was like, wow, you know, you have a really good knack for connecting with people, and, and so he threw me out there. I, I think I got about two days of training. And I was mm-hmm. off on my own. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I'd pick the guy's brains in the office. You know, they've been doing it for 30 years or so. And I'd ask them about the nuts and bolts of, you know, construction, paving, you know, concrete. And you go on these walks with engineers and not knowing anything they're talking about, but you just keep your mouth shut, and sit in the back and just listen, take notes, mm-hmm. and I'd fake it till you make it, you know. So mm-hmm. over time, I just got a little bit better at it. And uh, my portfolio grew to the point to where I knew I was making the owner a pretty good, you know, chunk of change. And as, as I grew, um, you know, the company grew, I wanted more. I had, I felt like I wasn't really achieving my goals, um, for my long-term goals as a, as a a dad, as a husband, as a provider for, you know, different people in my family. And so I just felt like I was kind of just getting into a rut and I needed something more. I, I was a part of a team, but I wasn't a part of a team that really did anything Physical or did anything that stood for a greater good. So I, I, I kept searching, and that's pretty much what took me to the military because I had to. I was about three years into the company, and I, I left for the military for a year.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So you know, everybody thought I was crazy then too. Was making you know six figures, and here I am going to leave for a year to make thirty five
0: thousand
1: mm-hmm. dollars. And and yep, yeah, just got to just got to suck it up and do it. Sometimes pull the trigger.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, that's great. And so, uh, and so, how did the, you segue, or maybe it's called pivot now? How did you pivot uh, down to the point where you were opening up your own business?
1: Um, well, I, it's it's kind of it's kind of funny because I really didn't have a desire to open my own business at the time. Uh, the owner and I had a, an agreement that after a few years. Of hitting the marks that I was hitting, he may have given me a little bit more responsibility, maybe a regional trainer, maybe a recruiting manager,
2: um, mm-hmm.
1: because I felt like I was underutilized, and I was the only one in the office who had a college degree. Um, I was the youngest one in the office or second youngest um, mm-hmm. but you know at five years in the in the in the company and you know with the type of clients that I had, I mean when I left for a year the the portfolio that I had, I mean, I, I mean, they were calling my cell phone when I was at basic. They were calling my cell phone when I was at tech school, saying, "When are you going to get back? I'm not doing any work with this company until you come back." And so, I mean, that really proved to me that I was on something right. But um, ultimately, the reason why I got into wanting to do it for myself um, is twofold. I mean, one is that I had a huge contract that fell through uh, because. You know, it was, it was uh, like a $6 million contract that I was working as a project manager. I knew what I was making the owner. I mean, he's going to make, you know, $3 million. I was going to make maybe 200000 in commission. And because he got another deal with VDOT last minute, he was no longer interested in my job. And he just totally just stopped. I mean, we were in the beginning phases of it. We we're actually doing work. And mm. he just stopped working. He just stopped, pulled the crews, stopped showing up to my job, bumped me from the schedule, and I was just like, how am I going to save face and, and talk to this company and, and save it? Because I know that he doesn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I went into to talk to them and tell them, hey, what, this is what it is. And they're like, well, why don't you start your own company? You know, we're dealing with mm-hmm. you directly anyway. Uh, we might try to work with you. And they put the bug in my ear. And I was like, wow, i do not know the first place to start. And they started getting me in line with some other people. And, and um, meanwhile... I'm finishing up my portfolio with the, the previous company and a prop, a, a foreman had left six months prior and he loved doing my jobs because he really liked the, you know, the details. I put it to my, my folders you know, i marked the jobs, property managers knew what to expect, tow trucks were there, just you know, the whole nine. And so he liked doing my jobs when he worked for me at the same company. But when he left the same deal, he was a primary sub for that, for the company and we worked together very well until his investor pulled and he said, you know, I had a big job on a schedule. He said he couldn't get to it. This is three days before the job was supposed to go in. I had notices out for maybe 30 days, you know, updating my clients, updating the residents. And then when the investor pulled funding from him and pulled the equipment from him, um, he was kind of, and I rock and a hard place, and we were already booked out for the rest of the summer at my company. And so
2: mm-hmm.
1: he said, hey, is there any way you can help me? I was like, well, how am I supposed to help you? And he said, I need, to, I need to get a bobcat. I'm like, well, get a bobcat. He's like, I don't have credit. And so one thing led to another. And honestly, I was starting Sims Construction. I was starting Tri-State Caving for myself. Mm-hmm. But I put that on hold because he already had a company up. I need to get my job in the ground. I helped him get the trailer. I helped him get a bobcat. And over time it just kind of rolled into this, hey, you know, I have a lot of equipment in my name that you're operating.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: own any of it. Why well, don't I own any part of this company. And so you're like, hey, 50-50. And then so that's where it started. and That's where Brian's wow. saving originated because he was already going. And going forward he was, didn't know anything about business. He just knew how to do um, the job. He knew how to operate mm-hmm. the equipment. Didn't know how to spec, didn't know how to sell, didn't know how to, you know, price. And so just from there, we were good friends, you know, previously for the past, you know, five years. And it just mm-hmm. turned into me doing a favor for him, turning into hey, wow, I own all this equipment. And, hey, I might want to cover my end of the deal and at least have ownership of the company as well. And mm-hmm. he was like, no problem. And Brian's paving is not my name. I'm not Brian, and his name isn't even Brian but it's a son of his
0: <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. who is,
1: you know, out of the country that he just wants to keep on his mind. And so that's why can, the so gotcha. I can, a company clients. So here today.
0: Gotcha. So you, so you started a business with a business partner. I mean, you, you, you merged the, the opportunity that you had uncovered with another one mm-hmm. guy. And, and now you have a business partner and that's, uh, so, so what do you think about having a business partner? Do you think it's a good thing?
1: Um, it is, it is good because uh, I feel like we have a pretty open, open dialogue. Uh, we,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we trust each other. Um, and as long as you're clear in what you expect, I think that it can work. Uh, we've,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the biggest, I'd say the biggest issue is that the level of education is different vastly. I don't think he went to even middle school and, mm-hmm. um, he, he's just very street savvy. He understands the business. He does. He knows things that I would never know just because I've never operated equipment. I don't know how a paver works. I don't know how a milling machine works and what the takeoffs mm-hmm. are, but I do know how to read plans. and I do know how to price and estimate. Mm-hmm. So we, we're a good team, and we mm-hmm. are really good at what we do. But having a partner and coming into an industry where I was at first just helping him with equipment and he was just going to pay it off, and then that was going to be that, to, hey, I now own half of this company, and I'm pretty much running it, and, oh, man, if I would have done it my way, I wouldn't have bought new equipment. I would have done this, and I would have done that. Mm. So Mm -hmm. we, together, we have different um, ways that we would like to do things. Whereas Mm -hmm. in his culture. um, They like flashy. They want to look good. Me, I want to operate and I want to be able to make money.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you That's know, right. hey, I don't need
1: the $70,000 truck right away to put my company name on it. I want to, you know, I'll get a truck and it can look however it looks as long as it's doing the job efficiently and
0: yeah,
1: we're not worrying about a huge payment.
0: Yeah, but yeah, you have having a, a partner is, is just like, what's that? And you have a profit.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so having a partner is not a big deal. I mean, you know, I've been married for 15 years. I know a lot about give and take and with him mm-hmm. I don't think it's any, any different, you know, it's just being able to talk and you know, hey, I got this job I priced. Well, hey, did you do you do you know that you you priced it? Did you price it correctly? I don't know, I just thought it sounded good. Hey, man, you know, you need to go revise that cuz we're going to lose yeah. 10%. <laughs> so, yeah. We've had
0: a yeah. we've had
1: a lot of those but
0: Good partners. to have a complimentary partner. That's great. That's great. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Definitely. All right. So how do you generate new sales? How long has the business been, uh, how long have you been partners uh, in the business?
1: Uh, we've been partners since um, September, September,
0: September last year. Yep. Oh, wow. So it's, you, you've, you have to have celebrated a year. That's great. Congratulations. Yep. <laughs> how do you generate sales?
1: Um. Well, I generate sales a lot of different ways. I mean, I do a lot of cold calls. Um, I just you know in our industry, you can tell when somebody needs work because asphalt shows it. And, um, it's easy to just walk in and just, Hey, you know, introduce myself, let them know very nonchalantly, not aggressive. I mean, I know every type of closed tactic there is in sales one oh one one just because I've done door to door sales and cold call sales. But, I'm just very organic. You know, I just want people to know, hey, this is what we offer. I know you may not be thinking about asphalt in, in January, but when you do, just here's mm-hmm. my card, here's my number, um, I'm a local guy, and, you know, I'm, I'm here to just give you a fair product for a fair rate. And, right. you know, I, I do that in and, and word-of-mouth spreads. You know, I, just, I still have a lot of um, clients from my previous portfolios that, you know, I have one more year of a non-compete that I just kind of, I just can't touch Those clients, I'm very respectful of not compete, but you know, I'm good at generating new business. And if they have someone that they recommend, they know I've never worked with before, they're passing me business as well. So word of mouth, seeing our equipment, uh, you know, the the advertising on our equipment, and um, Mm -hmm. having um, you know work done and and spreading through uh, the high visual areas. You know, we do work and. If I'm going to do say a driveway or a shopping center and we'll have a truck on the corner of a shopping center with our, our name, number and contact information on it, and people just say, Hey, I saw your truck at Potomac Mills Mall or I saw your truck on mm-hmm. Highway seventeen. I mean that's all the advertising that we need right now because we can very quickly get overwhelmed by volume because of our size. So we 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 advertise when we need to and then we pull back when we don't.
0: Yeah. No. Now, do you have a revenue plan and a budget and, you know, and Well, got because, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, well, I mean, we, we do. Um, but because right now we're trying to generate enough revenue to cover all the equipment that has been mm-hmm. bought, I think prematurely, um, you know, we typically want to be at, you know, at least break even for the cost of the equipment with taxes, um, take mm-hmm. care of payroll and, you know, generate at least 10% um, after all All the costs are you know, distributed amongst all of our, you know, um, all of our bills and, and different different things that are required to run the company because this is a very um, equipment-heavy industry, and it's, you know, a lot of the cost is up front. So we pay for materials up front. We pay for trucking up front. And so... Mm-hmm. You to get a job, sometimes you don't get that deposit, and you have to front sixty percent of the cost of the job. so basically, what we do is I want to make enough to cover having the bank to cover potential jobs coming
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then um, you know make enough on each job to uh, to you know, plan ahead for equipment malfunction, maintenance, and mm-hmm. so wear and tear. So but as far as uh, we said a revenue, um, would you say revenue what?
0: Uh, revenue and budget, a revenue plan and a budget. Yeah,
1: yeah, revenue plan. So, yeah, we, we try to stay around 20000 a month um, mm-hmm. for our, our budget, but the revenue revenue plan is uh, 10% over our expenses just because we don't want we don't need to make a lot. We don't have a lot of overhead, but mm-hmm. biggest, the biggest bill is our
2: equipment.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, so what are the most difficult parts of operating a business in your mind?
1: Um, paying your guys before you pay yourself. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's the most difficult because when money's tight, you have a hard decision to make. You have to be sure that you keep your crew. Um, you know, you got to keep your crew, um, consistently getting some type of income because in this mm-hmm. industry, they, they can jump ship really quickly. So, uh, for me saying I own a company, I don't, I don't really think that people don't, people understand that, you know, there's a lot of headache that goes along with it. There's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of trials that that are dealing with. Hey, do I pay my mortgage or do I pay payroll?
2: Mm-hmm. And, you know, when
1: you're the direct guarantee guarantor uh, of so many moving parts of the company, um, you know, because the hardest thing is that the, the funding—you don't get funding right away because they want two years of of experience, um, mm-hmm. and you don't get two years of experience overnight. So during those first two years, you're just you're really trying to play it safe and. Um, a lot of times as the owner, you take the loss because you, you know that the company is good and you believe in it, so you put everything that you can into it. And if, you know, I could cash in on my house or anything, I, I would because that's how strongly I believe in it. But I think that's the hardest part is putting yourself beneath everybody in the company to just kind of be that pillar to hold it up. It's probably the hardest part about owning the company.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so what is the most rewarding part of having your own business?
1: Um, the most rewarding part
0: mm-hmm.
1: is that the harder I work, the better i I get and the the more um the more profitable the company can be um mm-hmm. i'm in I'm in control of scheduling I'm in control of you know uh, you know my guys and and how I'm able to compensate them and how I'm able to show my appreciation to them because <laughs> As a project manager, you know, they knock out a job and they do an amazing job for me. They're not making my, my profits go up because I'm capped at a certain point.
2: Mm-hmm. They're
1: making the company a lot more money. But as a project manager, I was limited to, you know, pizza or a couple of sodas for the guys. But now, mm-hmm. you know, if I know that the guy's working really hard and he's really helping out, I mean, you know, I can take his family to dinner. You know, mm-hmm. I can put gas in this car. I, can, I mean, there's so many things I can do to my appreciation to the company, to the guys, and I have flexibility. I work from mm-hmm. home. I work from my truck. I'm meeting people mm-hmm. like you. You know, mm-hmm. this doesn't happen to project managers. You know, so I, I, I feel like one of the greatest um, you know, blessings and benefits of owning the company is my freedom and the ability to say, hey, we'll be there Thursday and know that somebody's not going to bump me. <laughs> You know, I have to yeah. go, I tell the customer, hey, why can't you make it? Oh, sorry, you know, I got bumped by the owner.
0: <laughs> so, some more, a certain amount of control of your life. It sounds like. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah it's amazing. Yeah, oh, that's great. Well, what kind of advice would you like to give our audience, our uh, audience of veterans and and family members about having a business and building, creating one and building one?
1: Well. Um well first of all, being being a veteran and for me, you know, I'm I've only been in for three years and mm-hmm. um I've done some really tough things, but you know, I love my country. I really love the, the benefits and that it affords me and and before I ever joined, you know, I had a high respect for the armed forces. Um so being away in like I said, I'm in Intel, so I d haven't deployed, I haven't done some of the more nitty-gritty things, even though I really would have liked to in another life Mm -hmm. without six kids and a wife. Um, Mm -hmm. But those guys in that situation have sacrificed so much and they've Mm -hmm. put forth so much effort. Running a business is, will be a lot easier than deploying to another country to than leaving your family for 18 months. And all I'm, all I would like to say to uh, the listeners is that, you know, You've done something ten times harder than running a business.
2: Hmm. You
1: believe in you. you believed in something enough to sacrifice your life for it, and to and to to give up time away from loved ones and family. You can do a business and still be with your family, and still have a balance, and still be here and be relevant. Um, believe in yourself like you believe in your country, and the sky's the limit. Because hmm. if you feel like serving your country, you know. By putting on a uniform is fulfilling. Imagine when you go out there and you earn business and you you set up shop in the community and you give back to kids who look up to you already in a way that you've never been able to do before. Because let's let's be honest. I mean, you're not gonna make it rich in the military, but owning your business, you'll be able to do something gratifying. You have control over it. You'll be able to give back in a way that you've never been able to give back on this level. You know, serving country is one way, but taking going to a school and giving them computers or, you know, for me, um, fixing a pothole at a church or donating your time to an elderly, you know, uh, elderly home and, and being able to fix trip hazards for free, that's something that I like because it brings me more happiness and it's not about the money.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it's just, you know, I'd say just, you know, don't let somebody tell you what you can't do. You know, if you really believe in it, it'll work out. It's not, it's not necessarily going to be easy, but, you know, nothing worth it is. And if it was mm-hmm. easy, you know, everybody would be wearing uniforms. Everybody would be a captain or a corporal or, you know, <laughs> a general mm-hmm. in the military. And everybody would be joining, you know. But mm. it's, a selective, it's a select person that, that is called to serve that to serve our country and to do the job that those guys are asked to do. And there's mm-hmm. a certain type of person that it takes to run a business. Not everybody mm-hmm. can do it. But like I said, if they've done basic training and a lot of other uh, skill sets that are required to be in the, in the armed forces, running a business is right up their alley. And as long as they put that same effort towards it, they'll be successful.
0: That's wonderful. Thank you. That's great. No great advice. Well, Ed, Ed, this has been fantastic, and I really enjoyed uh, getting a chance to talk to you and hearing more about you and your business And you've had quite a an extraordinary journey <laughs> <It's really laughs> extraordinary and uh and i um, really appreciate it i also uh, wish you the very best in your business and i i i can tell it's going to be successful because i i just can tell knowing you <laughs> so um <laughs> thank you so so anyway but thank you so much and i very much appreciate your talking to us today
1: no problem thank you
0: All right.